0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org.
1: Good morning, everyone. Do you like my new setup? (laughs) Today, I want to begin by sharing with you a story about an exceptional athlete, No, he's not someone that has a Super Bowl ring, nor a famous girlfriend, (laughs) nor does he excel in the football field. No, this athlete, he excelled in the pool. You see, he started swimming when he was seven. At the age of 15, he competed in his first Olympics. And by the time he was 19, he had already won his first gold medal, six of them. And then, After competing in five separate Olympics, this athlete had amassed 28 medals, gold medals, not gold medals, 28 medals, 23 of them worth gold, which is pretty incredible, right? This athlete I'm talking about, his name is Michael Phelps. And he currently is the most decorated Olympian in modern history but perhaps Michael's most uh, remarkable achievement happened in 2008 during the Beijing Olympics. You see, Michael had set for himself a goal. He wanted to win eight gold medals in a single Olympics. This is something that had never been done before. In fact, many thought would be impossible to achieve. You see, for Michael to be able to get eight gold medals in one Olympics meant that every event that he would swim in, he would have to take first place. And you know what? Michael did it. Not only did he achieve his goal of eight gold medals, but he broke seven world records doing it. I mean, he's an amazing athlete. But by 2012, after competing in his fourth Olympics, Michael was not in a good place. Despite all of his success, all of his achievements, all of the gold medals he had, his life was spiraling out of control. Drugs, drunk driving, a reckless lifestyle were all indications of this inner struggle that was going on in his life. And so he began to withdraw from family and friends. And then in Michael's own words, this is what he said about this time in his life. He said, I was a train wreck. I was like a time bomb waiting to go off. I had no self-esteem, I had no self-worth. There were times when I didn't want to be here, it was not good, I felt lost. I thought the world would just be better off without me. I figured that the best thing to do was just to end my life. Isn't that astounding? Here is a man who had achieved so much, gold medals, fastest swimmer in the world. Yet when he looked at his life, he said, I don't think I'm worth anything. Maybe the world would just be better off without me. You see, Michael looked in the mirror, and the person that looked back at him wasn't someone that he loved. This man who had excelled in the water was now drowning when it came to living a fulfilled life. But Michael had a good friend. His name was Ray Lewis. He was a former all-pro linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. And I think he got a Super Bowl ring, right, Pastor? But Ray Lewis, he saw Michael's hopelessness and despair because he had gone through that journey himself. And so he, along with Michael's family, encouraged him to go into rehab. And so when Michael agreed to go into rehab, Ray gave him a book to read. It's called The Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren. And while he was in rehab, Michael devoured this book because it addressed a question for which he had had no answer Why am I here? Michael was so impacted by the message of this book that life is about a relationship with the Lord and finding your purpose in that, in that relationship that he began taking the book and reading it to all the other patients in rehab, so much so that he gained the nickname Preacher Mike. You see, Michael had all these goals, win races, win medals, be the fastest swimmer, but he lacked purpose. Now, it's important to have goals. And when we achieve our goals, goals bring that sense of satisfaction. Goals do bring satisfaction, but it is purpose that brings fulfillment. Finding your purpose. See, Michael devoured the message of this book because it was all about finding that relationship with the Lord and finding your purpose in Him. You see... From the very beginning, we see that when God created mankind, he created us to have purpose. I mean, look at the beginning with Adam and Eve. He created them male and female, and look at the charge that he gave them. We find it in Genesis 1:27. It says, and so God created man, mankind, in his own image, In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And then watch. And God said to them, the man and the woman, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created Adam and Eve in his image and then he revealed to them their purpose. Their purpose was to govern all that God had created. But here is the important truth that we need to grasp, that in order for them to fulfill their purpose, there they were to be anchored, rooted, and grounded in their relationship with the Lord. You see, they weren't to be some cosmic experience, experiment. Where God placed them on the earth, gave them this assignment, and then God was going to withdraw and just let them figure it out on their own. No, from the very beginning, God's intent was that they would have this intimate relationship with him where they would turn to God as their source to reveal to them how they would fulfill that purpose. Instead of turning to a tree, they were to turn to the Lord and just as Adam and Eve were created with a purpose, each one of us has been created with a purpose. You see, David understood this powerful truth when he was inspired to write. He says, for you created my innermost being. Lord, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. You, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You see, David is declaring that not only are we miraculously created, but we are purposefully created. It's confirmed to us in Ephesians 2 a scripture that we seem to come back to. It's a scripture that says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do all the good things he has planned, he has purposed for us long ago. You see, we are not an afterthought. We are not a mistake. We are not an evolutionary byproduct. We have been created on purpose for a purpose, by a purposeful God. And you see, just as Adam and Eve, just as it was for them, our purpose must be grounded, rooted, and anchored in a relationship with our purposeful God. And see, Jeremiah understood this so well when he wrote, Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man who walks direct his own steps you see our purpose how we are to use this gift of life that god has given us it all begins by knowing that we have this relationship with the lord where he can direct our steps and show us the way you see we find fulfillment when we discover the purpose for which we are created and we begin to live out that purpose and you see i believe that we can live out that God-ordained purpose when we begin to embrace our spiritual identity. When we understand who we are in Christ, then he can reveal to us the what, the purpose for which he has created us. Look what we read in Ephesians 1 about our spiritual identity. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to what? Adopt us. To adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. Then the apostle John wrote, Yet all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Because Jesus fulfilled his purpose for which he entered humanity, paying that penalty of death on our behalf, when we receive Jesus, when we believe in him as our savior, church, we are adopted into the family of God. We become a child of God. That is a powerful spiritual identity, that we are a child of God. And it's because of this identity that we can have this intimate relationship with Almighty God. And when we have this relationship with Him, He can reveal to us the what, the purpose for which we were created. And then we read this in First Peter, and you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. And what more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of jesus christ you offer spiritual sacrifices that please god so when we look in the mirror as a believer in the lord jesus christ you are looking at a child of god but you are also looking as a priest of god and it is this identity as a priest of God that powerfully defines and connects us to our purpose. You see, as a priest of God, we are to offer unto Him spiritual sacrifices. Now under the Old Covenant, what we find in the Old Testament, we know how the purpose that the Old Testament priests served is that they would offer animal sacrifices to the Lord. Under the new te- in the New Testament, under the new covenant, because Jesus became that ultimate sacrifice on the cross for us. As priests of God, we no longer have to offer animal sacrifices. And everyone said, thank you, Jesus. It was a bloody job. You see, under the new covenant, we are to offer him spiritual sacrifices. And we read in Hebrews 13, It says, through him, therefore, let us at all times offer to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. First of all, as priests the spiritual sacrifices that we are to offer unto god is the sacrifice of praise where with our mouths we declare and praise god with an awe for who he is and what he has done for us we have the privilege of being priests who can offer him praise that is due him because of who he is that's an easy one but then paul says there's another spiritual sacrifice that is required of us. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, our purpose as priests, our purpose is not only to offer unto him the sacrifice of praise, but we are also to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now in the verses that follow, Paul talks about how important it is for us to live a lifestyle that is pleasing to God rather than living lives that are conformed to this world. And God sees that as a sacrifice because he knows at times it's a difficult difficult choice to live a life that pleases him rather than a life that pleases the world. But then, there is another way that we can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. It's by fulfilling our purpose as a minister of God. Now when I say minister, I'm not referring to the very specific definition of a minister as a preacher and a pastor. I'm talking about how all of us have this purpose of being a minister of God as one who serves. You see, even Jesus, when he came to fulfill his purpose, he said, I came not to be served, what? But to serve. And so too, we are to follow his example. We have been called, each one of us as priests of God, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice by serving. Serving in God's church, whether it's within the local church or the church at large and to help us understand the importance of of serving in that God-purpose place of ministry that God has for each one of us, Paul provides for us a most interesting analogy. He paints a beautiful word picture in 1 Corinthians. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ, which is the church yes the body has many different parts not just one part god has put each part just where he wants it and all of you together are christ's body and each of you is a part of it so paul is saying the church is to be like a body and just as a body consists of many different parts so too the church is to consist of many different ministries you see we are not all created to be the same part To all have the same ministry and nor should we try to be the same you see as wonderful as my hand is what a crazy dysfunctional body i would have if it was just a hand you see we are to be a family of believers who are serving in a variety of ministries you see, the beauty and wonder of your body is that it does have all of these different parts and all functioning in these different ways. But the only way that your body is to able to work in harmony and do the things that it's able to do is because every part is connected to the brain, to the head. And this is why Paul added this to the analogy. In Colossians 1, he says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. Church, Christ is our head. And we are the various parts of his body, which means that no matter what part God has purposed for you to be, an elbow, a foot, a toe, wherever and however he has purposed for you to serve, to minister in his church, we must be connected to the head. We must be connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why having a relationship with him is so vital to fulfilling our purpose. You see, this arm can only move because it's connected to this brain, this head. And you see, when we are connected to Jesus, he will reveal to us what we are to do, what our purpose is. And he will empower us by the power of his Holy Spirit to do what we could never do on our own. Now it's true that some of the ministries in the church are more visible. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. In fact, they're referred to as the hand ministries. But you see, a church has to be more than just a hand. You see, each of us has to be fulfilling that place where we can serve, where we can minister, because the church can't move forward without legs. The church can't see without eyes. The church can't hear without ears. Every part of the body, each one of you is necessary. Each one of you has a place to serve, a place to minister. You see, in order for us to be a church that's a beacon on the hill, that's a light in darkness, That is, a church that presents hope to a world that's hopeless, each one of us must know what we have purpose to do and begin to serving in that area of ministry. So, this morning, your question might be, well, how do I know what part I am? How do I know if I'm an arm, an elbow, or a toe? I can relate to those questions. Because when I was in my early twenties, I was asking those same questions. You see, I had come to a very pivotal time in my life. I was, like I said, in my early twenties. I was just married, finished college, and just started my career teaching high school. And having grown up in the church, I I understood this analogy that we found in that we find in First Corinthians. I knew I had a part, I just didn't know what part I was. And so I decided that I was really gonna seek God. I was gonna pray and pray hard to find out, Lord, what part am I? Am I a hand, am I a foot, am I a toe? And what does that mean in the reality of, of living life? But for some reason, I decided that I wanted to know in a very clear and concrete way. I wanted God to reveal to me what part I was in a way that would be so clear I would not make a misstep or a mistake. And so I was like, Lord, I am open for you to speak to me with an audible voice. Lord, you can reveal my purpose and plan through a dream, a vision, burning bush, anything, Lord. Something dramatic, not just for the drama, but I, Do you understand? He just wanted to be clear. I just wanted to know for sure. Well, guess what? I prayed. And I prayed. And guess what? No. No voice from heaven. No angel. No dream. And so I was getting discouraged. Well, one Sunday morning our pastor announced that for the first time they were gonna have a women's seminar, and something just inside of me said, if you go to this seminar, you're going to, you're going to know what God has for you, what your ministry is, what your purpose is. And so I arrived on that Saturday morning with great expectations, and you know what? There was great teaching, anointed teaching. We had times of prayer, but I heard nothing. By the end of the day, I'm walking out, almost to the door, and I must have looked pretty discouraged because one of the women in the church who had been a speaker came up to me and she said, Joy, what's wrong? You looked a little down. So I explained to her. And she looked at me and she said, Joy, you want to know what you called to do? And I said, yes. She says, well, I know what you're called to do. I said, you know? She goes, yes, I know. You are called to be a teacher. And when she said that, it was like a light bulb going off. You see, I knew I had the natural ability to teach in the classroom. I knew that I was able to, for my students to take a difficult concept and to break it down and make it accessible to students. But you see, for some reason, and I'm not quite sure why, I thought that anything I did for the Lord had to be separate from my natural giftings or my natural abilities, that it had have to be all spiritual. And it was in that moment that I realized that God had given me that natural ability for a reason, that he had given me that ability so that I could use it in the church as a spiritual ministry that would edify the church. And what's true for me is true for you god uses our natural abilities and then he adds to it his charisma his anointing his enabling of the holy spirit to take what we can do in the natural and let it be a blessing in god's church now after this enlightened moment i did not call up my pastor and say I'm ready to teach. Get me a Sunday school class, Uh, an adult one, please. And and I'm ready to teach on Sunday morning. You know what Joe and I did? We just contacted the director who was in charge of all the classes and said, where do you need help? And you know where they needed help? In the beginner's department with two and three-year-olds. And you know what? We loved it. And we served there for a couple of years. And after faithfully serving there, one day we were asked if we could help with a Bible foundation class that's based upon a text called Understanding God. And you know what my role was? They didn't ask me to teach it. Know what they asked me to do? Is to take the teaching strategies that I knew how to do in my classroom. Could I share them with the teachers and the small group leaders who were teaching and directing those classes? And you know what? I was thrilled to do it. And after ministering there for a season, then another door opened. You see, in our church, we had what were called these seminars where pastors from across the country and church leaders would come so they could learn how to teach this Understanding God program in their church. And I was asked, could you come and be part of the teaching team and share those teaching strategies with these pastors and church leaders? Now, it's one thing to teach high school students. It's one thing to, to teach those who are in your own church that you know. But to teach pastors and church leaders, those are scary people. <laughs> I was always afraid, you know, they were gonna know so much more than I do. And, but, I can remember, as I was preparing for the first seminar, like marking off the days on the calendar, not in 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 anticipation but in dread, because I knew God was stretching me. But it was because of that involvement that eventually they did ask me to teach content. Eventually they asked me to teach an Understanding God class to young adults and then to adults, which led to me being asked to speak in women's conferences and and marriage retreats and even teaching Understanding God in a maximum security prison. And then in 2010, God opened an unexpected door for me when I was asked to teach Understanding God here at CCC. And I'm gonna tell you something that's an absolute truth. That young woman who attended that seminar so many years ago never in her wildest dreams, thought that God's purpose for her life, what he had created her to do, would lead her to being in this pulpit, sharing God's word with you. Never in a million years. You see, what I have learned is God takes you step by step. And as God opens one door and you faithfully serve in that, do- in that place, God opens another door and he surprises you. You see, along the way, I've also learned that to fulfill my purpose, I had to be anchored and established in my relationship with the Lord, where day by day, month by month, year by year, You draw closer to Him. You draw upon Him to direct your steps and show you the way. And He will empower you to do what you never thought you could do on your own. And so this morning, you may be in the same place that I was so long ago, where you are saying, yes, I wanna know what part of the body I am. I wanna know what God has purposed for me to do. And so you're looking to say, Lord, what's that first step? Or maybe you've been serving, you've been ministering in an area, but you just get this sense that, Lord, I I know you're ready to take me to that next step. Well, it all begins with prayer, seeking God, asking him to direct your steps and show you the way. But please, don't do what I did. Do not restrict or limit God in the way that he reveals to you that step. He may speak to you in an audible voice. He may give you a burning bush experience. But you know, what I've learned is most of the time, most of the time, he puts a desire in your heart that seems to align with your natural desires. And then when you are obedient, God begins to just open one door after another door. But you know, there are some times when you just take a step out of obedience where there is a need. You see a need, and you just step in. And then God honors that obedience and takes you to the next step and the next step. You see, whenever, whatever step you're on, whatever door you walk through, It may require that it pushes you a bit outside of your comfort zone, but that only requires you to draw closer in your relationship with Him. This morning, if you have not discovered that place of ministry, and you're saying, I'm ready, I want to know. I want to know that first step, or I want to know that next step. Well, we have a serve board that's on our website as you've already heard this morning, we have, you know, we have this fantastic food pantry. We have so many people coming. It's the largest in this area. We just need more people to minister. Or maybe in the connection ministry, greeters in the lobby, coffee ministry, communion ministry, ushers. And guess what? There's, we need help in the kids' department. We need help with two-year-olds and three-year-olds. It's a great place to start. We can even need help in the youth department, the worship team, tech support, various areas. Even you can get started by being part of a life group. That's a great springboard for ministry. So this morning, I'm gonna ask that you would stand with me and I want you to remember this truth, that you are created on purpose for a purpose By a purposeful god and fulfilling your purpose is one of the most rewarding things you can do so that when you look in the mirror you see a child of god a priest of god who is fulfilling your purpose there's nothing more satisfying than knowing you are doing exactly what God has created you to do. And so I have asked Pastor Tony and Therese to come, and they are going to pray over us as a church family. They're first going to pray over those of you that are saying, I'm ready to make that first step. Do I have any first steppers in here ready to make that first step? Others of you are saying, you know, I'm in an area of mystery. I know what I'm doing, but I just get a sense, Lord, I'm ready for that next step. They're gonna pray for you next steppers. And then those of you that are serving in an area of ministry, you know you are doing exactly what God has purposed for you to do. They're going to pray over you a blessing, a blessing of strength and a blessing of enlargement. Pastor Tony and Therese, if you would come.
0: Okay. uh, Early on in Joy's message, and I'm sure you were uh, paying attention, but it was at the beginning, and then she repeated herself uh, a couple of times through the message. She said that God has given each one of us a purpose, and in order to fulfill our purpose, we have to be grounded, rooted, and anchored in our relationship with God. Do you remember that? Do you remember her saying that? She said it a couple of times, and it's the truth, uh, you, you can't find your purpose if you're not seeking the Lord for it. Um, he's the one who reveals what he wants you to do. He's the one who's gonna show you step by step and he's the one who's gonna lead you. Now quickly, uh, uh, just a quick testimony and then Pastor Teresa is gonna pray over the congregation. Uh, she's gonna pray a, a, a blessing uh, and she's gonna pray in the way that Joy has asked her to pray. It was John the Baptist when he uh, was talking to his disciples about Jesus that he said, he's the one I've been telling you about. He's the one who's coming after me. And of his fullness, we have received blessing after blessing. So we can expect blessing, right? Uh, God opens the windows of heaven and he throws out a blessing for each and every one of us. And we are going to believe that you're going to receive a blessing today. But I want to share a quick testimony before Pastor Therese prays. I got saved about 48 years ago. Many of you know this story. I was a Detroit policeman at the time. Uh, God you know, intercepted my own uh, will, my own desires, and I got saved. And after the church that I was attending heard that I had gotten saved, everyone in the church wanted me to share my testimony. They just thought it was a good testimony. Uh, police officer in Detroit gets saved, share your testimony. So I was invited to share my testimony everywhere to which I respectfully declined. I did not want to share my testimony to anyone because at the time I had a uh, fear of public speaking. And so I would make excuse after excuse and I would get out of it. For months and months I did this until the youth pastor at the church pressed me and would not let me off the hook. And I kept making excuses and he kept asking me, kept asking me, finally, I had to share my testimony. And when I did, the Lord revealed to me that I had a gift and I had a purpose. It was at that time that I knew I was called to ministry. So what Joy said is true. You have to take that step. You can't just wait sometimes. You have to be willing to get out there, get outside of your comfort zone, and to do what God's asked you to do. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we just thank you right now for the message that we just heard. We thank you for the encouragement, Lord, that comes from your spirit. And Lord, we pray for those who are... Uh, feeling like it's time for them to take a step. Maybe uh, they thought, Lord, that you didn't have anything for them, that the church already has all of the places filled. There's no other places of ministry needed. We pray for those first steppers, Lord, those ones that are trying desperately to take that first step and to get into an area of ministry. We ask, Lord God, that you give them the courage and then to reveal to them that you have a plan for them. It's a good plan, Lord. We've been singing that song the last couple of weeks. You have good plans for all of us. We pray for those, Lord, who have already decided to serve you, that you would continue to anoint them, that you would increase their anointing, Lord, that you would give them creative ideas, and that you would give them an encouragement, Lord, to know that they're doing exactly what you called them to do, We thank you, Lord, for the the blessing of putting our hand to the plow and being involved in kingdom work. There's no greater calling, Lord. There's no greater gifting or fulfillment than serving in the kingdom of God. And Lord, as we take those steps and as we get outside of our comfort zone and as we do what it is that you're prompting us to do, Lord, you're faithful to, to lead us and to direct us. Thank you, Lord.
2: Father, we thank you for just revealing those gifts to those who are unaware of what they are in this season. Lord, your word says your gift will make room for you. And we thank you, Father, for just not only releasing and giving those gifts, but helping every member of this church to receive that gift and to begin to use it use their talents, begin to put them into practice, all for your kingdom and for your glory. Father, we believe it is a season to minister in our spiritual gifts. It is a a season of increase for your people for your church, for the body of Christ. And we pray over CCC. We pray over every single member of this church. We pray for an increase in spiritual gifts, for an increase anointing, for, Lord, grace and wisdom and understanding. And, Lord, where, there, where people are operating in their gifts, we pray, Lord, that you would give more gifts. That's a spiritual principle, Lord. You said when we use our talents, we'll receive more talents. So we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have good gifts for your children. No one is left out. Every single one of us here has gifts. Lord, we pray for that increase. We pray for that new anointing we pray for a strong sense of purpose in your people lord we pray for that strong sense lord of belonging for that strong sense of knowing who we are in Christ and the priesthood that we stand in holy before your throne of grace thank you for pouring out your spirit opening up the windows of heaven and releasing gifts and fresh anointing in this season we pray